0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Alana, and I am here to share the three-ish things. It's actually just two-ish this morning uh, that we think are important, uh, both related to the kids, actually. Um, so parents, if you're leaving, you can hear about it in the orange room after the service. But two things to talk about. First, as you know, we have our stellar kids camp coming up, and we have opened up our registrations this week. So camp uh, kids uh, from kindergarten up to grade four, we invite you parents to get them registered. It is $35 per child. You can register on our website, on our events page, and you can see the address up there. Um, And it is July 10th to 14th in the evening. We're going to feed them dinner. They get this fun little bandera. There's games, there's crafts, there's singing, um, and of course, learning more about the Word of God and Jesus' love for them. So please uh, register your kids, invite your neighbor kids, any uh, kids that you know. We really want them to come. Uh and experience that this year. So that's July 10th to 14th. If you have any questions about that, do come find me, come find Brittany in the kids check-in room, and we'll be happy to tell you more about that. On the same line of kids camp, um we invite you uh, to join us in sponsoring some of the children. We never want cost to be a prohibitive factor uh, between kids getting to participate. And especially this year, you've heard, we we really do want to have 150 kids. Uh, we don't have 150 kids in our congregation. And so we're sending Isaac the intern out to canvas some neighborhoods and invite kids to camp. And we want to be able to welcome them and not have cost be a factor. So if you would be able to sponsor a child, we invite you to do that. You You can do it on the same registration page as the kids are signing up on. There's a different selection to sponsor a child. Uh, And if you have any questions about that, you can also reach out to me. So we just invite you to partner in that way financially. The last thing, also for kids, but in August, is our Epic Onside Summer Day Camp. And so we partner with a different organization that runs sports camps through the summer. Uh, It's Christian Sports Camps. And so we're hosting it here at New Life, uh, the week of August 14th to 18th. This is during the day for grades two to six. Uh, you're going to register at that website, not on ours. Um, there's cards at the info desk if you have any questions about that. You can find out more information. And I think that's all I have to say this morning. So thank you for listening.
1: So I'm reading from 1 John chapter 3, verse um, 11 to 24. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must, be like, we must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he do it? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother has been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we, are, we have been passed from death to life but a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, How can God's love be in that person? Dear brothers and sisters, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will be shown that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandment remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit gives us lives in us.
2: Um, as I said earlier, my name is Alicia and I'm the youth pastor here and we are going to be continuing on in our series in first John, um, it of love and truth. Now I have a statement I'm going to say, and I know I may get a few boos or you might look at me different after. I'm just going to go with it because there's a few of you out there that line up with me in this. I like to read the last chapter of every book. It's just like, when I have a good book, I open it, I'll read the first chapter, I'm like, all right, now let's jump to the end. I just really like to know how things end. Um, and so those that agree with me, we can connect about that afterwards. And today's passage, I have actually been living in the book of First John for a while now. And I can say it is one of the most marked up, colored book in my Bible right now, and that tells me that I am never done learning. I will always be growing and God will continue to refine me through his goodness, not only in this book, John, but the whole book, the Bible. And so as we look into this, I'm going to do what I like to do and read the last chapter. But really in this case, read the last two verses of our passage. And that's verse 23 and 24. And it says this, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. And those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship within him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit, this, oh, uh, spelling there, the spirit he gave us lives in us. See, this needs to be our starting point. And this needs to be our ending point. This needs to be the lens in which we view the world, the people around us, ourselves. It is we must obey the commandments. It is the lens to remain in Christ, love God, and love others. This is what Jesus spent his life teaching. We see that in Matthew 22, 37 and 40, when the Pharisee came to him, what's the best law? What's the best rule? And he responds with this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. The entire law and all that demands of the prophets are based on these. See, everything we do, how we do life, lies under this. And when we remain in God... When we remain in the vine, when we love the Lord with all our hearts, all our souls, all our mind, we go from death to life, we live sacrificially, we will be transformed, and we will have assurance in the one who loves us. We will have an assurance that the divine love, that's God, is transforming us into his image to become people that love others. Uh, There's a book I just recently finished uh, called Surrender to Love by David Benner. And he puts it like this, and I love it. Divine love transforms both my heart and my will. See, my will is that flesh. I want to do things my way. That divine love will transform my heart and my will. Divine love enables me to choose God's will over mine. There's a favorite quote of mine, and I may have said it to you guys before. Um, It's by Corey Tambu. And she says this. She says, may, uh," sorry, I'm trying to remember it now. May I respond to your ability, God, not mine. It's responding to him and not me. See, in John's letter, he constantly comes back to this, the greatest commandment. It is the crux of the matter. Like I said, it's the starting point and it's the end point. To love God with all of you, and then love others. John talks about this throughout this, and it's like what Simon said, that spiral case, where you're constantly coming at it at different perspectives. When I was in Germany, um, we climbed, it's the, the biggest cathedral in Germany, I can't say its name, it's in Cologne, and I climbed the spiral staircase, and it's like 500 and something stairs up all the way to the top, and each time you'd look through the window, you get another perspective, but it's the same view. And that's what's happening here. So let us put on the lens of Christ as we look at this passage. Let us remain in his love, and in that love, that's him, we can love others. John opens this section with this. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. It is the message that Jesus was teaching from the beginning. And that is, we should love one another. See, he starts this with, this is the message you have heard, but then quickly switches to we and remains in the we. Guys, that's not the I. It's about the us. It's about us as a church, us as a people, us as a community. How do we love one another? Because if I'm focused on the I, then I'm missing the we. And if I'm focused on just me, then I'm missing the person sitting next to me. Or if I'm focusing on the I, I'm going to be sitting in the sanctuary and being like, hmm, Jane Doe over there needs to be hearing this message. Because it's no longer about the we that need to journey in this together. In a community, we need to love one another. And he contrasts this loving one another with the story of Cain. Cain did not love. He did not remain in the divine love. (laughs) He belonged to the evil one. And if you jump to Genesis 4, 6 to 7, it says this, God talks to Cain in this time. And he says, Cain, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you deject You know that you will be accepted if you do what is right. What is right? Love one another. But if you refuse to do what is right, and here's the warning, guys, then watch out, because sin is crouching at the door. Eager to control you, but you must subdue it. You can subdue that When you remain in me. When you love me and in turn love others. See, John writes about Cain belonging to the evil one. And God says, You will be accepted if you do what is right. It's what Jesus taught, it's what he walked out. It was the message Jesus lived. When he healed the leper. Or he talked to the Samaritan woman. He loved others. It was the message in which he lived. When the disciples. When he washed the disciples feet. And he let Mary anoint his. And it is the message in which he died for. He died because he loves us. And that love needs to continue on. So our word of caution is to not be like Cain. Meaning we're not coming here today with our preconceived ideas of what needs to happen or who needs to hear this, but instead saying, we as a church, so if my brother is failing, then I am failing because we are in this together and we need to come to this together and love each other. We need to put aside our agenda, put aside what we think is right. See, when I think of this, I actually think of when I was a kid, and my mom is actually sitting right over there, so she's gonna hear a story and be like, oh yeah, it's great. Uh, I gave her a lot of grief growing up, and it's mostly because I would fight with my sister right under me. We were like 17, 18 months apart. Uh, That was pretty much it. And there's this one particular time where we were playing on the trampoline, and we started play wrestling, which play wrestling always ends terribly. It turns into real, and somebody gets hurt. Well, she banged my head against the trampoline post, and I was mad. And she knew I was mad, and so she takes off and runs inside the house and locks herself in the bathroom. And my sister's also in the audience, both my sisters, so they also know this. This isn't one of the two sisters. I have three sisters who's the other one who isn't here, and I come running in, and I was like, that door is not going to stop me, and it didn't. I dropped my shoulder, and I took the door off the hinges and broke it. Yeah, it's great. I shall tell you that this was just a flimsy door ply door, so it's not as impressive, but still, as a 10-year-old, you're like, I took a door off the hinges. (laughs) It's great. My mom comes down, of course, we're like, the anger stopped, and we're like, what just happened? And we're like, oh, shoot, we're in trouble. And I walked away with the consequence. But see, what happens in that story is my flesh wanted what was right. I went into that with my agenda, and I needed to be justified. It was about me. And it was no longer about the we, that we should love each other. Now, I hope that I've grown a little. I don't take doors off my hinges. But however, I do have to be honest that my version of that now is actually I'll withhold my forgiveness. I'll be like, oh yeah, I totally forgive you, but I don't really trust you. And the relationship is no longer the same because the truth is I probably haven't forgiven them properly. And I'm no longer living in that we should love one another. Or maybe you guys may agree or see yourself in similar with me, where you hold back that forgiveness. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it is you actually go around and talk about that person. And you be like, oh, did you hear about John Doe the other day? Like, he hurt me really bad. And right, do you, you think I'm right in this? You try to validate yourself. But you are no longer living under that we should love one another. You are no longer walking with your brother and sister. So hopefully you're not as childish as breaking down the door or take after Cain. But let's take a moment and reflect on what does that look like? Where am I falling short of that? See, John started with the you and he moved to the we because it is the we. It is the church. It is the fellow believers, the collective people that we need to walk this out. See, when I walk in the we of loving others, I'm now walking in the divine love that transforms my heart, transforms my will, and I'm using the lens of Christ. My second point is we go from death to life. This is what he talks about. John says that. He says, if we at verse fourteen, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. There's this quote by um, this theologian named Ian Howard Marshall, and he says this: "A person cannot come into a real relationship with a loving God without being transformed into a loving person. Sit with that for a sec. A person cannot come into a real relationship with a loving God without being transformed into a loving person. When I hear that, it's like a knife to my heart. I'm like, there are times where I have not lived that out. And then I'm like, wait, a real relationship with a loving God? Where have I not stepped into the deep end? Where have I sat in the shallow end of this relationship and it's not actually real? because I'm not being transformed. I'm the same yesterday as I was when I broke down the door. And when we look at that in light of what John continues to say at verse 14, he says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. Ouch. See, if these words where the silence or the weight of them is causing a physical retreat within you, I encourage you to take a moment, maybe pull out your phone, write in your journal or your Bible, something that the Spirit is talking to you because he is. We need to be brought to this place of examine where God can say, look, this is where you are not loving in the we." And therefore, you are not going from death to life. You are living in death. This is truth. It's black and white, and it's hard to hear. See, my instinct, my flesh wants to fight this. I want to argue this statement and be like, oh, wait, but what about this and this? But if I pause for a minute, if I put my pride aside, if I lay my ego down, I sit in an honest conversation with my mom. God will reveal where I am not walking in this. He will reveal the times where I've not shown love, where I've not lived in that love, where I, to a complete stranger, does not look like somebody who is walking with Christ. See, Paul calls us noisy gongs. John says we're dead. Either way, when we are not loving, and that loving is God walking in Him, we are a noisy gong and we are spiritually dead. This is the truth side. The series is about truth and love and walking with both of this. This is the truth, and that's a hard stone to carry. This is the message that we've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. It proves that we have passed from death to life. And that life is Christ. See, the divine love transforms my heart and my will. And thankfully, John's letter doesn't end there, guys. Which brings me to my third point. We know real love. And this is the, like, the hallelujah piece. This is the assurance piece. When I was five or six, I can't quite remember the age, but growing up, we would read from this um, Bible, this comic strip one. It's not the Action Bible one, but a different one, and it had all the Bible stories in there. And I remember one night, um, my parents, we were reading it, and I just, like, felt this overwhelming love, and I ran off into my bedroom, into the closet, um, and I prayed. And I was like, Jesus, I want you to be my best friend. That was the moment me, where I felt that overwhelming love. I felt what real love was, and it changed me. I began the transformation. Clearly, it wasn't good all the way because I broke the door after that. But I began that transformation, and God began the work in me. And it was his real love that I got to see and got to experience is what transformed me. See, we know what real love is. This is what they say, what John says here. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. He died for us. This is the standard. So when we think, okay, how do we love others? How do we go from death to life? This is what we look at. What did Jesus do? And if Jesus is love, Jesus is love. What's the standard? Giving up one's life. Where we put others before us. Where Paul says, let us show the truth by our actions. I like to use, we we talked about the lens. But if we're looking at glasses, if we're thinking of glasses, anyone who has glasses, you know the difference between a lens that has the correct prescription versus a lens that does not have the correct prescription. And off by a little bit, the vision's a little blurry. You can make out stuff, but people with glasses, you know what I mean? I don't have any, but I'm assuming, right? Yeah, okay, cool. Eventually, we'll all need glasses. Guys, like, just telling you, if you don't have glasses, you're going to need them. Just don't, don't deny it. It just happens. It's age, right? So the lens is to remain in Christ, love God, and love others. And the prescription is a sacrificial love. That is what brings it into focus. That is what allows us to walk out, love others. We love others. I remember my sister, uh, she didn't get glasses until she was a little bit older, and she just always sat at the front of the class, And it wasn't until she got glasses, her world changed. She just understood. She, She was lost in school for so long because the chalkboard was always blurry. But little did she know she needed those glasses. Just like us. We need to wear these glasses. The lens of remaining in Christ and loving others with the prescription of sacrificial love. Not our standard of what love is, because our standard of love is conditional. Our standard of love is, well, if they give back, or if they do this part, there's no ifs in it, no buts. It's a love that's eternal and a love that speaks with action. I want to go back to that David Benner quote. quote, Divine love transforms both my heart and my will. Divine love enables me to choose God's will over mine. Guys, when we wear those glasses, when we sit in that, we begin to see how God is going to transform us. We begin to see the person, the Jane Doe's sitting two rows over from you, how God sees them. And our hearts break. Our hearts become overwhelmed with love. And then we as a church can walk this out. Then we collectively can commit to loving the we. We. We will continually see the transformation, forgiveness, the generosity, the healing, and love gives up one's life for one person. We will see a radically different church. This love needs to transform us. So let's end with those verses again. Those who obey God's commandments... Remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Maybe go home and sit in a moment of examine before God. Sit before him and be like, Lord, where have I not been wearing those lens with the right prescription? Where have I come short because I want to move from death to life? I want to live in that beautiful life that you have to offer me so that when trials and tribulations come, when I can stand in the storm, I am standing in you. Move from a place of action instead of complacency. We as a church need to love we, us, all of us. Lord, I thank you for each one of these people here, God. I thank you how you are transforming us into your image to love others. That you know each one of our stories so deeply and we have an assurance in you Assurance that you love us. God, may we continue to walk that out. May we continue to walk with you as you show us how to love. Thank you for your grace. In
0: your name, amen.